Good evening, and thank you for inviting me to speak. As a follower of the Savior, when I got an invitation from a church called Church of the Savior, I felt I had to say yes. You're probably a little surprised by how I look. I, I don't blame you. Most people think I look the way Leonardo da Vinci painted me at the Last Supper. I mean, he's a great artist and all. I, I, I'm not taking anything away from him. But did he really have to make me look like a teenage girl? <laughs> and then based on that, novelist Dan Brown cooked up some crazy idea that I wasn't even there at the Last Supper, that that person was actually Mary Magdalene taking my place. But I was there. I was there that night, that final Passover, right next to Jesus. I was with Jesus from the beginning, and I stayed with him to the end. I was even there standing on Skull Hill watching him die. So I saw it all. But it wasn't so much what I saw that day as what I heard that has changed me. I think what Jesus said to me in those final moments, I will never forget. And I'm not the same person because of it. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me back up. My time with Jesus of Nazareth started one day when I was working out on the Sea of Galilee, as I did every, every day, except for Sabbath. I'd met Jesus once, and I was curious about him. But that day, we had our boats pulled up, and we're cleaning and repairing the nets. And he came by, right where we were working, and he said to, to me and my brother, and to Simon Peter, our partner, follow me. Come with me. I've got a bigger catch for you. People. Something in me jumped at that. And I started traveling with him. And very soon, Jesus gave me and my brother that nickname. Yeah, it stuck. With Simon, he usually called him, as you would expect, by his father's name. So he would say to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah. But did he say to, to me or to James, uh, John, son of Zebedee? No, no, no. It was sons of thunder. The Thunder Boys. I had to admit, it kind of fit. I, I may be the youngest disciple, but I can hold my own. I don't put up with much, and whether I'm on the water or on land, I chart my own course. Thank you. Like, there was that one time I wanted to incinerate a village of people. Well, that's the other way that other people talked about it later, which I think makes it sound a lot worse. So let me explain. Jesus had made up his mind to go right to Jerusalem, and the shortest way to get there would be right through where the Samaritans live. People we hate. And they hate us right back. But Jesus, for some reason, wanted to stay overnight there in a Samaritan village. Did they care? Nope. The people refused to let him even step inside their town boundaries. Those Samaritan devils. 
refused to even let Jesus visit. And in my part of the world and in my culture, to refuse hospitality, that's worse than a slap in the face. Those people don't know. They didn't know what Jesus is like. They hadn't heard a word that he'd said. Just out of sheer ethnic hate, they snubbed him. And when my brother and I heard that, we just blew up. And we said, Lord, we don't have to put up with this. Let us call down fire from heaven, and like Elijah did, and destroy every one of them. I thought he would like that idea. He didn't. He looked at me and said, John, I don't destroy people. I rescue them. And if I'm clearing my conscience, I have to say it's not the only time Jesus rebuked me. Once I met a guy who was casting demons out of people, which is all very nice. Some people are being set free. But what does that really matter since this guy is not in our group? Who's going to make sure he's on the up and up? So I told him, hey, stop that right now. What do you think you're doing? I thought Jesus would like that. He didn't. He said, don't stop him. Anyone who's not against you is for you. It seems like Jesus was always taking sayings and flipping them upside down. And usually flipping me with them. There was the day that I asked him for a good job in his new administration. My mother and my brother, we'd been talking and we we could tell that Jesus was heading toward Jerusalem. There he would obviously be ascending to the throne as the new royal king of David. And in his new administration, I mean, the three of us really had to agree, he would need some really good, trusted leaders working with him. And we thought, who better than, than us, really? And, and in my family, we weren't the kind to tiptoe around and drop hints. So we went to him and just put the idea out there. And since my mother, Salome, is Jesus' aunt, and in, in our culture, we respect our elders, we, we had her do the talking. She said, in your kingdom, Jesus, please let my two sons here sit in the place of honor next to you, one on your right hand, one on your left. We all thought Jesus would like that idea. He didn't. He looked at me and James, you don't know what you're asking. Are you really able to drink the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? We said, sure we can. He said, oh, you will. But my father is the one who picks the people for those places. And then the other disciples heard about what we'd said, and they got all worked up, only because we said what they were thinking. So Jesus had us all huddle up and said, you know, you want to be a leader, Take the lowest spot. You want to be served by everybody else? How about serving them? But I I, I don't want to give you the wrong impression. My time with Jesus was definitely not all rebukes. Not not even close. He trusted me. He even brought me along, uh, me and and James and Simon, when a 12-year-old girl had died earlier that day. And by the time we got to the house... And, and we walked into that room. She was lying there stiff and utterly dead. 
And Jesus went over to the bed. He took her hand and he said, little girl, get up. I just kind of drew in my breath. I was like, what is going to happen now? And then all of a sudden, her eyelids started to flutter. And she opened them up. And I was like, this is crazy. So you can see why the more time I spent with this man, Jesus, the more I just wanted to be with him. So when it came time for that Passover, I grabbed a place right next to him. And sorry, Leonardo, we were not all sitting along one side of the table, okay? That's ridiculous. <laughs> so I was reclining on the couch, as we all do for special meals, and I was right near Jesus. And I wondered, as I had come up into that upstairs room, how much am I really like him? Am I, am I getting more like him at all? I, I really couldn't tell. I mean... I knew I was changing some, but how much thunder was still in me? Well, shortly into the meal, I, I could tell Jesus was really upset about something. And suddenly he took a deep breath in and he said, I'm telling you the truth. One of you will betray me. Who would do that? What, why, why would they do that? We were all trying to figure out who it was. And Peter looked over at me since I was closer to Jesus and kind of motioned me like, ask him. So I leaned in close and I whispered, Lord, who is it? He said, the one that I dipped the bread in the sauce, that's the one. And he took the bread and handed it to Judas. Nobody else at the table knew what he had just done. All he said to Judas was, it's late. You better hurry. And everybody thought that he was telling Judas to go pay for the food we were just eating. Well, it was late now. It was almost midnight. So we sang a hymn all together. And then we walked out of the city to the olive trees where we often went to pray. The other disciples got to the usual spot and sat down, but Jesus kept on walking. And he, he motioned for James and Simon and me to come along with him. He was breathing really fast now and shallow. He said, I'm, I'm crushed with grief. It's so heavy. It was like the weight was going to kill him. He said, stay here. Stay, keep watch with me. We tried, really. I tried. I tried to stay awake. I, I just couldn't. The next thing I know, Jesus was shaking us awake by the shoulder and saying, look, here's my betrayer. And now we could see the torches coming up the hill. Temple police with clubs and swords and Judas right there with him. They tied up Jesus' hands with rope, pulled it tight, and they let him off like an animal. The other disciples were all gone by now. They must have run when they first saw the mob coming. But Peter and I were not done yet, and we followed the mob at a safe distance, and they ended up at the high priest's house. 
Well, I knew the house staff there because they had bought fish from me many times. So they let me come in, and then I was able to get Peter in, and we sat there in the courtyard. It was around 6 in the morning, I remember, a rooster crowed, and Peter left the courtyard suddenly, obviously upset. And then all the interrogation and the beating finally wound down, and they pulled Jesus off to Pilate to get a death sentence. I won't even mention the trial. The trial was a complete joke. And afterward, the conclusion, the foregone conclusion came about, and the soldiers forced Jesus out to Skull Hill. I followed along. It was slow going. He was trying to carry his own crossbeam, like 80, 90 pounds, but they'd beaten him so badly and he had almost nothing to drink. He just couldn't do it. So they conscripted some other guy and made him carry it out the rest of the way. When they hung him up to die, at first there were a lot of people hanging around taunting him, making fun, mocking him. But when he didn't yell back, they kind of got tired of the sport and just drifted off. So now I guess it was probably two or three in the afternoon. It was just a small group left. Near him there, it was me and the three Marys. Mary, his, his mother, Mary who married Clopas, and Mary from Magdala. And for me, I think the hardest moment was when Jesus started gasping for breath. I just didn't know if I could stay the whole way to the end. I didn't know how I could keep watching this slow, agonizing death of my cousin, my friend, my rabbi, my Lord. But you know, I'm really glad I did stay because I got to be there for what for me is the most heartbreaking and yet the most healing moment of my life. Jesus saw his mother standing there next to me and he said, dear woman, here is your son. Me? Did he really mean me? And he looked at me and he said, here is your mother. I really couldn't take it all in. Mary is the one person who had loved him from the beginning. And she was here all the way to his end. There was no one more precious to him. Joseph was gone. And Jesus, as the oldest son, wanted to make sure his mother would be taken care of. He was so poor, he had nothing he could leave her in his will. And the soldiers had just stolen the only set of clothes he had. So here he was now, in his final gasping breaths, placing the greatest treasure of his life, his own mother, in my care. I turned and looked at Mary, and our eyes locked there for a moment. And she nodded. She knew this was best. You know, I've thought a lot about that moment 
Why would Jesus trust his mother to me? To me, the son of thunder. Yes, I was his cousin, but he had four brothers. He could have chosen any one of them. But they weren't there. And I guess their absence says a lot. I think he wanted someone to care for his mom who was in this way, like his mom, had believed in him early and then stayed with him all the way to the end. And that day, it really kind of felt like he was starting a new family. A family not built in the usual way. And I guess we're all a part of that now. Maybe the biggest reason of all, as I think about it, that he entrusted his mother to me, is that he must have seen John is changing. I was no longer to him the son of thunder. So I think he felt safe with me being the son of Mary. Now, don't get me wrong. I still have uh, some moments, and I'm still strong. But mostly, it's a different kind of strength. It's not like the strength of a huge rainstorm crackling with lightning and booming with thunder that wants to incinerate and overwhelm people. So what is it? I don't know. It's like the strength of a really solid, you're like your favorite wooden chair. You can trust it. You can put your whole weight on it. And you know what? It doesn't need your attention. Ha, me. I'm just there when you need strength and when you need rest. And that's what he wanted for his mother. And so from that day, she came and she stayed in our house. Thank you so much for listening.